What's up, everybody? You're listening to Salah's Corner with the one and only Salah Muhammad. So the clean slate law was just passed with the big help from Jordan Harris, a state rep in the state of Pennsylvania. And that law really uh, focuses on helping individuals seal their criminal records, right? Like you went to jail, you served your time, you paid whatever restitution, yet you still have this thing hanging over your head, preventing you from getting jobs. You, you have this stigma that is following you everywhere. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about um, the importance of clearing your name, but also the other side of that, right? Like what about something that prevents people from being introduced into the criminal justice system? Um, I think these two go in hand in hand. um, And we'll talk about different elements of that on, uh, on this episode and how as a community we can start understanding that even though I don't have a family member or I personally never served any prison time, how it impacts my community directly. So I've had a lot of people coming to me asking me where I find the time and the space to make all of these podcasts happen. Well, I have to thank the folks at Rec Philly. They provide me the space, the equipment, and the networking capacity to make this take off. And it's not just for other podcasts. Other creative individuals use this space as well. We're talking musicians, photographers, anyone that considers themselves a creative individual. So if that's you, head over to Rec Philly. Visit them on Instagram. And if you find yourself wanting a membership, tell them Salah sent you. What actually prompted you to uh, start uh, with these with this legislation for the clean slate bill? I know you you and another uh, another state rep uh, wrote this bill together. I was sought out because I had worked on criminal justice issues before back in 2016 when I was able to get Act Number Five uh, passed into the governor's desk, which provided um, a process which we call in Pennsylvania called record sealing, um, mm-hmm. which which is when a person has certain offenses on their records, uh, on their criminal record, and those records are sealed from public view so that only law enforcement and government could see it. Basically, putting a person in a position where when they go and apply for a job, they would now be able to say, no, they've not been convicted of this crime. And when an employer ran their record, it wouldn't show up. So knowing my my work in that area and in other criminal justice reform areas and bills that I've introduced, folks approached me about what I'd be willing to work on, clean slate. And the moment I heard about what we were trying to do, uh, my automatic answer was yes. And, you know, uh, I began from that day forward um, putting my energy into trying to get clean slate to the governor's desk. Those records that are hindering, you know, when people were doing background checks for these specific companies. I know I worked for a job, uh, you know, probably 10 years ago. And I would I would sit down as a hiring manager and I would interview these candidates and they were they were phenomenal. You know, they had great experience. They um, they were they looked good on paper, but they presented themselves well in the interview. And, you know, we do the background check and I'm excited. You know, I got this this bright young young man ready to start and comes back and they got this criminal history and now I can't hire them because of the circumstances of the 
their conviction and the circumstances of the job. Did you hear a lot of that within the community um, of Philadelphia? I know I personally did and experienced it firsthand with individuals I was trying to hire. What was some of the, the feedback you've got from people in the state of PA and particularly Philadelphia? Well, you know, I think most people um, feel that the justice system needed to be reformed. Um, some people had more experience with the system uh, because they either had records uh, or incarcerated or have had a family member or a loved one that was. So I think most people understand the need um, for correcting um, some of the flaws that we have in the criminal justice system. Uh, so I think that that was the, the, the feedback. Some people didn't think we could get That's it done. That's a big push. Well, you know, I think, you know, there's a, a narrative that is often spun about the divisiveness of politics. And in many ways, they are divisive. But the truth is, uh, there are those issues where uh, Democrats and Republicans can get together and, and they may get to where they are by different pathways, but they can still get to kind of a, a, a table of consensus where they can work together to get things done that will benefit all Pennsylvanians. And I personally think we have to encourage that. And we can't allow the political rhetoric to get to such a high volume that it impedes the process of people putting aside their partisan politics to benefit the people of Pennsylvania. It's imperative that we continue to foster and encourage that. It was some of the stereotypes or not even stereotypes some of the the idea out there when it comes to you know i call it our criminal punishment system really focuses on well they did the crime Mm -hmm. you know did the time they need to carry that stigma with them for the rest of their lives you know so it's i mean you know i hear a lot of the arguments of well it's their fault so you know they have to carry that bag with them that burden with them for the rest of their lives when the idea of the justice system in theory at least you know was focused on, you know, you did you did the crime, you did the time, whether that was probation, jail time, uh, paying restitution. And, you know, the idea is that you're supposed to get your life back. But that doesn't seem to be the case. And, and there, there seems to be an argument over, you know, well, why do I need to support these individuals when they are the ones that are criminals and felons and so forth? Well, I think we have to start to dispel... Uh, a lot of the myths. The first thing is these right. these aren't just them or them. You know, these aren't just this abstract them. These are our brothers, our sisters. These are our neighbors. These are our church members. Uh, mm-hmm. These are our, our, our family friends. These these are members in our community. Uh, and the overwhelming majority of people that go into our county jails and our state penitentiaries, the overwhelming majority of them are going to come home. So, you know, I understand that if a person does the crime, they need to do the time. But the question is, when does that time end? When are they finally forgiven for their crime and afforded the opportunity to integrate back into our society? That's the first part. The second part is, it it actually is more cost effective for us as a society to put effort into helping people get back into our society than letting them recidivate and go back to prison. Right now, 
Pennsylvania has about a 60% recidivism rate, which means that within three years, 60% of the people who have been released from prison will go back. That costs us $1.27 billion. $1.27 billion because the 60% of folks in three years are going back to prison, right? In addition to that, Technical violations uh, to our probation and parole system costs us about $100 million a year. So when you talk about how we can invest in schools, invest in roads and bridges, invest in protecting the environment, there's $1.2 billion from recidivating and $100 million from technical violations that if we did not have to spend we could be spending and investing on other things in the Commonwealth that we know we get a return on investment. So for the person who doesn't have a record, for the person who doesn't have, you know, an immediate family member who does, you should be concerned as a taxpayer that we're not wasting taxpayer dollars uh, on folks who, if just given the right direction, given the right opportunity, would be productive citizens and go from tax burden to taxpayer. And the idea of, of clean slate is, is helping them get that opportunity, right? Like part of the problem with the people that end up leaving, you know, prison is they, they can't, they have nowhere, they have no recourse, they have no community that, to, to build around them. Everyone sees them as an outcast. So they go back to the life they've lived or they go back to what they know, which ultimately is what got them in prison to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you talk about how you know, as a taxpayer, right? So I, let, let's say I'm the, 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 I don't know anyone that's in prison. And mm-hmm. how, how do you get that message to relate to those individuals? Um, you know, I, I understand as a, as a taxpayer, that's where my money goes. But I, I, at the same time, I also don't see that money, right? Like I don't, I don't, that money comes out of my check. It's not something that I see directly. How do you help to create that understanding that, yeah, just because you don't, um, know someone personally that's in prison the the idea of sending people to prison still impacts them well it it it, it impacts them several ways it impacts them um the first is the financial mm-hmm. and, and and here's the thing well you know and, and now i've been trying to work on um having some of our um uh, our folks actually give me a, a hard number on this because I could tell you how much it costs to incarcerate a person, how much we spend. I could tell you how much recidivism costs. I could tell you how much technical violations cost. But it's greater than that. It's greater than that because, you know, that person with the record, many of them have children. Mm-hmm. So instead of those children living in a two parent household, they're living in a one parent household. If the one parent household isn't of means that one parent may be on some type of government subsidy or government program that costs you there. It also costs you from the the uh, um, the, the the child rearing perspective when we know that when one of the parents aren't there, the, those children are 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 at a higher rate of a lot of negative things uh, that happen in our community. So 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 there's also there's also that. And and those children will then go and interact with with other folks from, you know, different communities. And, you know, when we look at all of these different things, like we can't forget that many of our children are being raised in environments where 
one of the parents are being taken out by the criminal justice system. Now, let's be clear. Some folks need a timeout. Some right. folks are a danger to our community, and that and that's clear. But many of our brothers and sisters, our sons and daughters, actually don't need that timeout. And if they do, it doesn't need to be at the length that it's been given. And when they come back home, they can still be very, very productive in a lot of the things that they do. And we, I think, as a society, have to recognize when you look at um, the population of America and what we represent, but then look at what we represent with regards to the prison population, the, the numbers are staggering. We're doing it incorrectly here, and we need to fix how we do things. And, and, and not only that, we need to shift the burden. The burden, in my opinion, should also be on the government to help people get back into society. This whole notion of letting people out of out of prison with a few dollars and a hope and a prayer makes absolutely no sense to me. There should be social services that are connecting people who are coming out of our justice system connecting them to the services that they may need, whether that's mental health services, whether that's emotional support, anger management, whatever those services are, but also ensuring that they are they have some type of trade or skill that they can go out and become marketable with. I believe that should be a part of what we do as a system also. Um, hmm. so, let me ask you a, a very broad question. Uh, what mm-hmm. what is your you you talked to, uh, in the beginning about you know we need some serious criminal justice reform. What what does that look like to you? Wow, that's a lot. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, um, I, it, all right. Let me let me let me reframe the question to to simplify to simplify it a little bit. So because I mean we could probably be here for a few hours talking about that part of it. If we we focus on and rightfully so. You know, getting these individuals uh, re-entry into uh, the workforce, uh, the community um, after, you know, they've paid their restitution, whether it's time or financial. But what about on the other side of that? You know, what about uh, how do we focus our efforts on preventing and, and, and interacting with those individuals lives before they even enter the criminal justice system? Well, I, we, the, the first part is education. Um, mm. There is a common thread uh, with folks in our criminal justice system, and that common thread is the lack of a quality education. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's the that's the, that's the first thing that we should be asking ourselves is how are we ensuring that all of our children are getting a quality education? I think that's that's first and foremost. Um, in addition to that, I would um, say that we need to look at um, particularly for our children, what are we doing with recreational activities? Mm. How are we providing safe uh, opportunities for our young people to be young people? Um, the other thing I've been looking at is the whole uh, 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 anger management piece um, because what we've seen in a lot of, of of the shootings, particularly amongst our younger folk, is that you know, a lot of it starts from uh, social media, this person said this about me, and they posted this about me and that. Right. And and those things really grow into full-blown um, conflicts. Yeah. 
that a lot of our young people aren't equipped to to handle the conflicts that are coming their way. So I think that's extremely important for us to look at also. Um and 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 and, and then um the jobs piece and making sure that people are getting the training necessary so that they can become employable. Because, you know, a man, woman, child or two who has to go home to a screaming baby, uh, who has to go home to a person who's who 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 is, you know, asking them where where are the funds to mm. to take care of this household, you know, after a while those folks are gonna to try to find answers. And if we don't help them find answers, I think a lot of them are falling into the criminal justice system. Right. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I was looking at a, uh, a friend of mine um, who's actually uh, an independent for city council. He and I sat down and did an interview a few, uh, few weeks ago. Um, but he directed me to an article uh, and a study uh, out in Oakland you know, where they focus a lot of their efforts on uh, community intervention, right? You know, create basically everything you said, focusing on uh, the uh, creating the resources for the children, you know, having not having unoccupied time where, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, things, you know, things go bad. You know, I, what's the, what's the saying that our, you know, parents and grandparents used to say, uh, unoccupied time is the, is the devil's playground, you know, and that, that's, that, that's absolutely true in the sense of, you know, when you have nothing to do, when you can't find a job, when you, you have nothing productive to provide your community or to your household or anything, negative things start to take shape, um, very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, and it was a study out there that really focused on a lot of it. I, I think gentrification played a part of it. I'm not sure if you um, um, are aware of some of the things that's been taking place out, on, you know, on the West Coast and in California um, when it comes to just community activism. Um, but it, it, you, you speak to a lot of those same things. And I, it just just reminded me of that article. Um, what efforts can we expect to see, I guess, is from. Our, our government to to respond in that same manner you know what like the goal isn't always just to you know repair some of these people's uh standing in the community the goal is also to make sure that they don't enter the system you know can is that something that we should uh, expect to see from our state government you know city government coming down a pike it's something that you could expect to see from me <laughs> i appreciate that <laughs> and i'm going to continue um, to push the envelope and try to get things done. And, you know, I, what I can also say is that there's a lot of uh, reform-minded folks who are in the legislature right now, whether it's, you know, my, 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 my friends over in the Senate with Senator Williams and Street or even some of my Republican colleagues, Cameron Bartolotta and Lisa Baker, or if it's in my chamber with uh, Representative Shell Delosier or, or or Mike Jones or you know um, people in my caucus like Joanna McClinton and Jason Dawkins and, and Morgan Cephas and and the likes, you know there are those um, many of which who are willing and want to look at what we can do better with regards to criminal justice reform. And, you know, there, there's actually a movement uh, with a lot of the women, uh, Morgan Cephas, Tina Davis, Mary Jo Daly, uh, around 
uh, a package of bills that's called Dignity for, Incar- for Incarcerated Women. So not only talking about when they get out, but how are we treating um, this particular package of bills? How are we treating women who are in the system? Uh, and, and it's a cross-section of people, the folks I named, as well as, you know, uh, I got a member, uh, Summer Lee, who represents Summer Lee, who's out from out in the western part of the state. And, and you know, Carol Hill Evans and Patty Kim from the middle of the state. Ella, Ella uh, Isabella Fitzgerald, who from from northeast, uh, northwest part of Philadelphia. Like, these are all people who are working on different pieces of legislation that have something to do. Uh, with criminal justice reform, these women, particularly looking at packages of bill, a package of bills that you know deal with how we deal with our incarcerated women, um, how do we deal with our our, our our women who are pregnant in prison, uh, how do we deal with with feminine hygiene products with our women who are in prison? Mm-hmm. All of those kind of things are extremely important because how how folks act and are treated in prison is also. Uh, 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 indicator of what will happen when they come out. So, right. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't. To answer your question, what can you expect? I, I think there are a lot of legislators working on things, but I don't think the voters should expect anything. I think the voters should be engaged in pushing an agenda and and requiring that elected officials look at the criminal justice system and and requiring that elected officials be held accountable for all of the money that we spend uh, in uh, in our criminal justice system, whether that's county, whether that's state, whether that's the federal government. You know, folks should be asking questions. How many people do we have in prison that don't need to be there? Think think about it this way. How many people do we have in, in prison that we're spending forty, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand and more, particularly amongst our aging population. Uh, 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 how many of those folks are in prison who have long sentences, who are in their seventies, who we know are no longer a threat to society? Why are we still spending seventy-five, eighty thousand dollars to not just pay for them, but to pay for their health care? Like all of those questions should be answered. Um, you know, there's a way to do things where you keep communities safe, but you also provide dignity humanity and be a good steward over the taxpayer dollars it's uh the especially that dignity piece i think that's you know you know going back to what we were talking about earlier there's this you know there's the stigma right you become a criminal that's you know we have to treat you you know as a as a second-rate citizen you know um you know i was reading a uh I think it was, I can't even remember if I was reading an article or it was uh, something I was watching and it talked about how women have to pay for their own personal hygiene products in prison um, on making cents on a dollar for different jobs that they do in prison. Um, And if they have a medical need for uh, more, more, you know, healthcare products for themselves, they... They have to pay to see a doctor to get the um, to, you know, to basically get a doctor's note saying that I I need, you know, additional resources to feminine hygiene products. It's just like it's just absurd. It's the whole idea of of having to uh, pay to to additional to see a dollar on top of you're only making, you know. 90 cents a few dollars for the different jobs whether it's working in the cafeteria where it's doing all of these odd jobs that we know exist in prisons and you don't even have enough money it's now you're sacrificing whether you should pay for feminine hygiene products or have like 
additional money to to live and to survive off of it's 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 kind of insane the the conditions and the dehumanizing aspects of prison that are in place um so yeah i just i something that that popped in my mind as you were you were speaking to that and something i came across that was just uh, disgusting and and inhumane um I, I, yeah, I mean, I, listen, it, 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 it is horrible. I, I can only imagine what a woman has to go through right. every month. You know, um, you know, I have a mother. I have sisters. You know what I mean? You have a mom. Uh, I don't know if you have sisters or not, but, you know. Like tons of you, sisters, you, wife, stepdaughters. <laughs> exactly. So, Oh, yeah. oh, well, then you get it, bro. You, yeah. I mean, you <laughs> you get it all around, right? Absolutely. Now, 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 think about them, and then think about being incarcerated. Think about what that has to be like. Think about having to ask and someone yeah. not give, and what that right. looks like, and what that feels like. Not just what it feels like medically, but what it feels like emotionally. Like right. we like stop that. Like we have to. It, look, you cannot put people in prison and treat them inhumanely, yeah. knowing that they're going to get out, and then are confused as to why folks act certain ways when they do get out. Hmm. Just makes absolutely no sense. Does, so yeah. if if we know that the majority of folks are going to get out of our prison system, then we have to and we should be handling them differently. Yeah, I, I agree 100 percent. Um you know, I, I, yeah, I just couldn't agree more. Um, you, you have, uh, you, did you have your, uh, event? I, you know, I follow you on Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. you're always doing something in the, in the city. So first of all, let's just share everyone. What, um, what area of the, the state do you represent? So I represent parts of South and Southwest Philadelphia uh, and the Pennsylvania House of Representatives. I represent Point Breeze, Grace Ferry, Graduate Hospital, and the King Ses- and parts of King Sessing. Uh, and I and I've represented those areas uh, since January first, two thousand thirteen, when I took the oath of office. And I also currently serve as the Democratic Whip in the Pennsylvania House of Representatives. Um. What what does uh, now I have to share with with everyone? What is the uh, the functions of a Democratic whip? So in each caucus uh, in the House and in the Senate, but in each caucus, all of the Democrats there are ninety three Democrats in the House, um, and all of those Democrats get together. And at the beginning of every session, we vote for our leadership team. Um, the whip is the second in command in the caucus second only to the leader and the whip uh works with the leader to basically help run and structure the caucus um and um the whip's job is to try to keep everybody in line with whatever that caucus agenda is uh for the day for the vote or whatnot and work with members to have a better understanding of what what they need what they desire uh, so that, you know, we can provide what is necessary to make sure that we keep folks uh, uh, in tune and on board with what our caucus agenda is. Very dope. Um, you did a, uh, you spoke at a uh, free expungement clinic. That's where I tried to cross paths with you, but uh, I got, I got, I talk too much sometimes. I ended up talking to Brandon Flood, who was also there, and a few other people. And mm-hmm. the next thing I know, you were gone. I was like, man, I got to catch him next time. Um, can we expect any uh, any more events like that? Just 
helping to spread the word on the uh, on this clean slate? So, I mean, we're doing a lot around a lot of press on clean slate. Um, I'm doing a TV show in a few days around clean slate. Also, you did a podcast um, uh, with as well. An, another one besides this one um, with uh, some friends of mine from New York. They they came on my podcast as well. So I, I listened to that. It was dope. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, we're, we're definitely trying to do all that we can to share the message yeah. on uh, clean slate. What we've done around clean slate, but also what are what are some of our next steps in criminal justice reform, which is reforming the probation system here in Pennsylvania. Uh, we've been working closely with you know the Reform Alliance, which is Jay Z and Meek Mill and you know uh, Mike Rubin, Rob Smith, you know uh, a whole group of other folk uh, led by Van Jones. Uh, we've been working with them on um, reforming the probation system here in Pennsylvania. And also, um, we have another bill that we're working on, on how we reform occupational licenses. Um, a lot of people don't know that uh, one of the barriers for employment for our, some of our skilled people when they get out is that they have to get a license in order to practice, whether that's to be a barber, a hair braider, a real estate agent, a home inspector, a nurse. I mean, there are more than 30 licensing boards in Pennsylvania, and there are very vague uh, licensing requirements in, in, in Pennsylvania with regards to criminal backgrounds. So we're trying to strengthen and tighten up those laws so they're not as vague and so that we're not denying people licenses based off of stuff that they've done years years ago. I'd also like to invite you back when um, you have something more to share when it comes to uh, the, the reform around um, uh, probations and, and, and some of the things you're doing uh, there with uh, Van Jones. I saw you guys speaking um, down in City Hall. So it was I think it was earlier this year or at the end of last year or something like that. Um, Mm-hmm. So you 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 doing you doing the work, man. I I, I have to say thank you for, for all I appreciate the work that, that. You're doing. Um, people are noticing. People in the city are noticing, and they're they're taking note for sure. And they're they're. I'm hearing nothing but positive feedback on my end, at least. I'm just, I appreciate that. Um, I have one more question that I ask sure. everyone, and that is, what's your most favorite thing in the world right now? That's a hard question. <laughs> I stump everybody when I ask them. Life. Yeah. Life, you know, the, the, the motto of South Carolina is simply, while I breathe, I hope. And that is something that I, I really try to live by. While I breathe, I hope. So while I have life in my body, I can hope for the best. I can hope for tomorrow. I can hope for all of the changes that I want to make while I breathe, I hope. Dr. Benjamin Elijah Mays, who was the mentor to Dr. King, said it a little differently. He said, I have but a minute, only 60 seconds in it, forced upon me, can't refuse it. Didn't seek it, didn't choose it, but it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I abuse it, give an account if I lose it. It's just a tiny little minute, but all of eternity is wrapped up in it. It it, it is a reference to life that we don't have an infinite amount of time on this earth. Um, so we must maximize all of the time and all the moments that we have to do better, to do good, so that when we leave this place, we leave it better than when, than, than, uh, when we found it. So life is the greatest gift. It's the 
best thing that we have currently on earth that was uh that was beautiful um thank you i appreciate that very much uh thank you so much yes thank you representative jordan harris uh minority whip and the pa state of uh representatives thank you very much i appreciate this conversation take care I want to give a big special thanks to Jordan Harris for taking the time out of his busy schedule to uh, do this interview and podcast with me. Um, you can uh, see more information about uh, the Clean Slate Law. Follow him on Instagram. He shares a lot of things. He pops up at a lot of events as well, helping people to understand how that law benefits them and different things that uh, they can do to get their records um, sealed and expunged. And just as a just to piggyback off that conversation, kind of the theme that we've been going with for a while is focusing on community. And if you aren't clear on what that really means and and the purpose of that, it's community really plays an integral role into everyone's lives. Right. Like community focuses on making sure that people have proper education. There's interventions put into place so people aren't having run ins with the law. Um, There are interventions put into place so that people who aren't the most healthy have that struggle from different health needs, uh, have the resources that they uh, need to live a full life. Community is a vital part of our lives. And it's important that we understand that community plays a role into every aspect that troubles uh, the city, whether it's poverty, whether it's jobs, whether it's health care, whether it's policing whether it's criminal justice, community plays a huge part in that. And that is intentional that we have these conversations on our podcast. So thank you for always listening in. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at realtalk at salazcorner.com. Salas Corner is recorded out of Rec Philly. It is a space for creative individuals. It's produced by producer extraordinaire Bree Wilson and features music from Prod by Delgado. For more of my work, please visit salazcorner.com. And until next time, peace y'all.